So, ladies and gentlemen, it is my privilege to introduce uh, a postman who danced with Eric Cantona, a pirate who died in the pursuit of mermaids, uh, Salford's very own Twitter legend and connoisseur of the C word. Uh, listen up, please welcome Steve Everts. How are you doing, mate? I, I'm all right. First of all, how sort of lockdown been treating you anyway? the best of it as what I can really I'm past as vulnerable so because yeah. I have COPD and asthma okay so my daughter moved out because she was still working she took the cat schnizzers all with her they stayed at her mum's uh, but because it's Easter she's back here now she's been doing my shopping for me I've been going out and uh, when it did ease up and you could see your bubble first thing I wanted to see was my grandkids yeah, so, I see um, you put a lot of videos off of your grandkids. That's really uh, cool to see. I, I love that. And um, so, Looking for Eric. Uh, yeah. Directed by Ken Loach, written by Paul Laverty. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. Yep. So, um, obviously, it's 11 years since that film came out. And uh, 11 years since I've seen it for the first time. But obviously, for this interview, i watched it again and it resonated so much differently now than 11 years ago because I've actually been through some like shit in my life and also the character Eric Bishop is a postie which I am as well as doing the podcast which, oh, right, okay. which I loved which was brilliant so did you have to take sort of any elements of your own experience when you sort of did that role um, well that's a difficult question to answer because Ken doesn't let you see a script of what you're going to do Oh, really? The audition, the audition process before you start filming, obviously, is very, very intense. Yeah. Uh, you only know the bare bones of the plot. Like, for instance, Eric Bishop is a postman. He's a Man United fan, and Eric Cantona is his idol. That's the kind of brief you've got once you've got the job. Uh, you don't get to see a full script because Ken doesn't work that way. He doesn't like his actors knowing how the film turns out. So. You shoot in sequence and you do not get a script. You get drip-fed the scenes in chronological order and we shoot in chronological order. And because you as the actor do not know how it pans out, you're sort of in a bit of a real-life situation. You know everything about the character's past. You know everything about the character's present because you live in it. Yeah. But you don't know anything about the character's future or where it's going to go. Well, that's fantastic. So scenes like... I suppose when he finds the gun under the floorboards from his son and stuff like that. Mm. So it's all like... Right, yeah, I never knew that was going to be there. And what he does is he manipulates you perfectly, does Ken. Because when we shot that scene, we had nothing to do, in inverted commas. Yeah. And Ken said, oh, okay, we'll do a scene where you go back in your son's room and get some weed from under the floor. <laughs> so we went in the room and we measured up the shot. I removed the board, we tweaked the lights, we measured it for the, ca for the camera distance. I put the weed in my hand to focus it. Uh, we done that to get the shot all ready. And then Ken said, OK, uh, let's shoot it. So we had a rehearsal, the weed was there. We had another rehearsal, the weed was there. We had another one. And I moved the floorboard and there was no weed there. There was a gun there. Oh, wow. So, and he does that while the camera's rolling. Uh, same with the Eric Cantona appearing. I never knew Eric was going to be in the film. First time I met Eric was yeah. 
like the camera was rolling when I turned around and I first saw him in real life. Oh, and you just sort of had to react what he was saying. That's right, yeah. Well, you go through so much in the audition process about improvisation yeah. and, and staying in character and about... that. that you're kind of trained by this point that when a curved ball gets thrown at you, you stay in character. You don't break the fourth wall. You don't look to camera and say, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> you roll with it. Uh, that's that? how Ken trains you. And it's, like I say, is it? Okay. Master manipulator. <laughs> in a lot of the uh, the early scenes of Eric, um, you're really enough sort of and explaining and describing in detail like some of the goals he scored. So did you yeah, have to sort of research that? Are you a United fan? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, well, I'm a class. I'm not a really avid football fan. This is the thing. Yeah, I don't go to the matches. I watch a match. I enjoy it. Yeah, but my knowledge of football is very, very limited. In fact, it's garbage. <laughs> Uh, obviously, I knew who Cantona was yeah, because he is a legend, and I respected that about him. And yeah, when I got the job, I knew that my character was obsessed with United and Cantona. So yeah, it was my job to do research. So I did. Um, I was given DVDs. I think I got them myself, and I researched goals of Cantona's. So when that scene come where we're talking about, and that is all I'd lived because. A lot of it's scripted, some of that, but there were goals there that I knew about because I had them in my head because I'd researched them. Well, yeah, because I'm not—I'm a football fan, but I'm not a United fan. But just the way your characters are explaining those goals, I just remember them so well because, like you say, everyone knows Cantona. Like my mum hated football, but she loved Eric Cantona. What was he like to work with, like as a person on set? Well, it was incredible experience. Uh, yeah. Like I say, the first time I ever met him was I had that scene where I talked to his poster and turned my collar up. Yeah. <laughs> I did a take of that, and there was no Cantona. We cut. We'd done another take. We cut. We'd done, we'd done about seven takes, and then they said to me that the light wasn't correct. I could go outside, have a cigarette while they tweak the light. So this is what lulls you into the false sense of security. I've done the scene seven times now. I know how it's going to pan out. I'm now in a false sense of security. I come back, they say the lights are okay, let's do it one more time, I do it one more time, and fucking Eric Cantona appears behind me. <laughs> and, you know, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, incredible, I nearly, I nearly fucking collapsed. I turned around, there he was, lit beautifully, five feet away from me, saying, where well, have you? And um, <laughs> we just went into some kind of like little dialogue thing. But you find later it's kind of scripted. Basically, it manipulates you beautifully. It's a great experience. I'd love every actor to go through it just once. So exciting. Well, yeah, and it, it shows through the film, like, uh, just the your interactions with Eric are just brilliant. Even when he starts dancing and he's trying to get all, all screwing his garbage and you said you're only going yeah. the pigeons yet when he used to, I remember he used to say that. But no, it's absolutely brilliant. Have you got any, like, I don't know, Eric aside, like some of the ac other actors that are in there, like John Hernshaw? Uh, well, I've known John Hernshaw for years. Uh, the great thing about that is that me and John Hernshaw, when we were both on the dole years ago, yeah. We, we were knocking about at the Actors Centre. We were doing... Uh, we'd done 
kids entertainment together, me and John, with a theatre company when we were on the dole, a profit share. <laughs> we got no money. So it was nice when John kind of got his break on Cops and started becoming a, a well-known face on TV. Um, and it was so lovely to see John years later <laughs> in a great film that we both loved doing with, with a, two great legends, uh, Ken Loach and Eric Cantona. Uh, it was fantastic, and it's nice to see a friendly face in there who who done it the hard way, like me. You know. Yeah. Was there much sort of banter and skullduggery going on on set? All the time, all the time. There's banter left, right, centre. Ken cast a load of uh, uh, comedians, you know. Yeah. Uh, Justin Morehouse, Mick Ferris, Mug Roberts, uh, many too numerous to mention. It, they were all on the circuit. So, of course, whenever we were all in a room, it was banter, 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 banter. And the scene where we go to uh, Meatballs, his self-help book, where, yeah, you know, yeah. imagine your face. <laughs> I mean, that was just going on forever because the banter was so good and so funny. And I know Ken had a right job cutting that down because it was hilarious. Because yeah, was... these lads are just naturally great at drinking on the feet. <laughs> Right, and that was funny, and that's that's when um, they discover Eric hasn't been delivering his mail, and uh, that's correct. Yeah. I think yeah. If, if if that happened to me, I don't think any of my old posties would go and deliver it. I'd probably get the sack. But <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? They all rallied round and helped him and yeah, redistributed him. That's how it all so, works with, with the end when Eric says, "You know, you need to rely on your friends and stuff." And then the uh, the incredible like end scene with the Cantonar masks. Yeah, I mean, so well, you think about Some people say to me, "Oh, you're that guy. I'm looking for. I've never seen it. I don't like football films. It's not a football. No, film. it's not at all. Football, not at all. It's about camaraderie, friendship, and and uh, being there for each and other. And Bishop getting and over it, deep depression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, getting over depression, finding strength in uh, through adversity with friendships. Very, very important messages in it. Um, and people just go now I don't like football films so they're missing out on a great film it's it's, amazing when I I first watched it obviously when it came out it was obviously because of Cantona and stuff but then watching it again like I said it resonated with me more being a person but also someone who's battled depression and seeing um, it's just yeah it's a very very powerful movie and you were absolutely phenomenal in it and uh, well Moving on to sort of, I've been sort of scrolling down your Twitter, and uh, obviously you say you're not into football, but I saw you post something about uh, Salford's own Gary Neville. Now, um, yeah, what sort of impressed you about sort of Neville, the way he speaks and stuff like that? Well, I'll tell you what impressed me about Gary Neville. I think he's got integrity. I really, really do. And. Um, He's going on that hotel. He was one of the first people to open it to NHS yeah. frontline workers and keep his staff on wages. Um, I, it seems to me, strikes me as a man who really, really does put his money where his mouth is and says things from the heart. Sadly, that's lacking these days with a lot of people, not only in the fucking politicians who supposedly run in this country yeah. inept yeah. vapid career politicians 
can care nothing about him, product only about votes, and sound bites, and public image. I don't think Gary Neville does that. No, I, I um, completely agree. Yeah, I think, and also from the football side of it I was never into sort of football punditry just because my mum used to turn it off and say I'm not listening to them talk shit about the football yeah, you've yeah. watched the game but I could listen to Gary Neville speak about anything all day he's so well spoken he knows what he's talking about he offers real yeah. suggestion real ideas I, I agree and I, and I think he's fair as well yeah absolutely I think he's, he's, he might not be the biggest Liverpool fan as we all know <laughs> but I think he gives an unbiased opinion about what he sees uh, as a pundit, and that is very, very rare. People, you could, like, for instance, write a sentence down and not say who uttered it. And if you say, for example, just on the top of my head, Donald Trump uttered it, people would not agree with the sentence. And then if you said somebody else uttered it, then they might agree with the sentence. Yeah. They... Do you know what I mean? People Yeah, judge. they give the opinion on the person rather than actually thinking about yeah, the Yeah, yeah. And, and let me can I just say, I'm no Donald Trump fan, but this is what people do. They judge by the speaker, not what's being said. And again, I think Gary Neville's unbiased and got integrity and honesty and he speaks from the heart. Yeah, you know, he is fantastic. And then I found on your Twitter, like obviously you're allowed to swear on this uh, podcast. I'm a fan of four-letter words. Um, your your hashtag that begins with a C. How did that sort of come about? Is that just for comedic pur- purposes? Well, <laughs> I just don't understand why people go, "Oh, cunt! Oh, I hate that word! Mm. I hate that word! Why did he hate that word? I don't use the word cunt to refer to any fucking part of the female body. The word cunt can be anything from man." A term of endearment to a say it's all in the context of how you say the word. Well, yeah, I've got an uh, Irish family on my dad's side, and it's a compliment. Yeah. Say, oh, Michael, you're a good cunt. That's it. I mean, I'm an Irish. All my roots are Irish. Same in Scotland. Now you're wee little cunt. You come here. No, it's <laughs> the context of the word. And it's, if you're talking about four letter words that offend, people go, oh, I don't like the C word. He's like, if they utter it, they're going to go to hell. Well, hell doesn't exist. There's definitely no word that you can utter that's going to send you anywhere. Exactly. And if you're bothered about four-letter words being offensive, what about rape? What about kill? What about maim? Yeah. They're four-letter words. People use them and bandy them about and don't even think of the real picture and meanings yeah. of them. But you should say cunt, and everybody fucking freaks out. I completely agree. And that, is it true as well? Again, apologies for going on Wikipedia's name and film, but that you changed your stage name to Everts because it's Steve Backwards. That's true, yeah, because when when I was doing it way back in the day, you had to have an equity card yeah. uh, to perform, and that's what we were after, the lads I was with, within this variety group to flag equity cards. When we got the um, amount of contracts that we were allowed for past, for present, for future bookings, we were okay for our equity card, uh, but I couldn't have my name because somebody else already had it. My real name is Mercer. Okay. I'm Irish. Yeah. Uh, but they refused that because, obviously, there was already a Steve Murphy on equity's book. So they sent me the letter. I just completely, first thing I thought of was Steve Backwards, which is Everett, because <laughs> I just wanted an equity card. Yeah. Still get in, put it in the post, send it off immediately. 
<laughs> Brilliant. So, um, what are you sort of up to at the moment, sort of work-wise? Well, I'm waiting to start Brassic Three, uh, which oh, yeah, we should have yeah, okay. yeah. started in July, and put back because of the virus to September. So, I'm hoping that that comes into fruition. I'm working on some other things, but I'm one of them actors. I won't say anything about anything until it's in the can. I'm, yeah. I'm only mentioning graphic because it has been okay. It will happen when? I don't know. But um, I've, I've been self-tapes and auditions like everyone else, and I've got some, and I'm waiting for here. But to me, they don't exist until I either get the part or I don't get the part. Yeah, no, I can completely agree with that. Anyway, yeah. Thank you for talking to me. It's been short and sweet. Again, apologies. Even though I watched the film the other day, I'm fucking what an idiot saying it wrong. That's all right, don't Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, mate. No worries. Brilliant. All See right. ya. Nice one. Cheers, Cheers mate. Have a good day. Bye.